You're listening to Sacks in the Basement, a production of the Broadcast Basement Limited, where every show is 30 minutes of good and comes from a basement bar on the south side of Chicago. Pull up a stool, pour a cold one, and join us right now for Sacks in the Basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found and always at SacksInTheBasement.com. I feel like I'm defending Chris Getz way too much. I feel like that's all you and I have done. No, but it annoys me that I'm doing it because, again, this is somebody that I didn't want to be the general manager of the White Sox because I wanted him to go outside the organization. I wanted him to change everything all the way down to the studs. He's been basically the second best option. A guy who I'm hoping was inside of the organization and noticed that he was surrounded by morons. And then when he was given the job because he convinced an out-of-touch owner that he knew what he was doing, he's actually like this this secret good thing that happened because then he looked around and said, all these people that I was surrounded by who are idiots, I'm getting rid of them and I'm bringing in better people. You see him bring in guys from outside the organization. You see him start to make moves, but there is, there is a contingent in the fan base that is going to sit there and say he was part of this front office for seven years, so I don't trust him. Uh, we went through a horrible rebuild, so I don't trust him. I think we're going through another rebuild again because I don't trust him. And now they're all upset about Paul DeYoung's contract. Well, this is where it gets weird, yeah. Right. The the anger seems to be you only gave him one year and $1.75 million, so you're cheap, and you're clearly in a rebuild, and, you know, why is this guy replacing Tim Anderson, and we're miserable, and we're angry? And I, w- I would offer just an alternate view, and this alternate view, and the entire episode and every episode of Socks in the Basement brought to you by Cork and Carey at the park in the shadow of the ballpark at 33rd in Princeton, our proud sponsors and your home base for pregame, postgame, in-game White Sox viewing. This offseason, stop in and see Gino at the bar on Tuesdays for two for Tuesdays, two for one award-winning burgers when you're dining in. See everything they have to offer. Get those two for Tuesday, two for one burgers over at the Cork at the Park and see more at CorkandCarry.com. But that alternate view, you can't be angry about $5.5 million a year for three years for Larry Garcia, which Rick Hahn went out and got. And then also be angry that the new general manager went out and got a guy more valuable than Larry Garcia in a role where he can easily get rid of him He's not tied into him for multiple years. He's not going to become somebody you're going to be rolling your eyes every time that he's there because you're stuck with him for multiple years and nobody wants to admit that they overspent on him. No, he got a guy at the market value he should have gotten him for on a contract that filled a need. He can be moved into a utility position. He can be gotten rid of and you didn't overspend on him and give him too much. So so if I was angry about Rick Hahn... And the Garcia contract a few years ago, which I was the moment it was signed and then yelled about it for multiple years here on this show. Pretty much until Larry Garcia was gone and then for six months after Larry Garcia was gone. Right. How can I be mad at him for actually being fiscally responsible, not tying up his funds in a bad player and making it possible that that guy can fill the role as the shortstop if you want to focus on defense, a utility guy if you need to have a a better utility guy in the field? And you're not relying on all these guys that you keep bringing up from the minor leagues who can't figure out how to stick and do anything. And you did it for a song 
for one year, $1.75 million, which means the majority of the money that you have sitting there after moving on from Anderson and from moving on from, from Liam Hendricks is still there. The, the people that are mad about the DeYoung contract are the people that believe this is it. This is all they're going to do. They're going to trade Dylan Cease for nothing but prospects. Okay, look, if that happens and they trade Dylan Cease for a couple of guys that are several years away, I'll be standing right next to you with my pitchfork and my torch and I'll be yelling. I will light my pitchfork on fire. So I have three torches. Yeah, you'll have a pitchfork torch, a, a torch fork. You'll have a, a torch tor- fork. A torch pitch torch. torch. Right. Pitch torch. Uh, whatever. Pitch torch. You're, yeah. you're, like, that's the thing. Like, until I see a move that contradicts what the man has said he wants to do, I, I have to give him the benefit of the doubt, even though he wasn't my GM that I was going to go and, and put in that front office. Because he said he wanted to improve on defense. He addressed it right away. He said he wanted to, to, to improve on his pitching depth. He addressed it. Very quickly with the trade that he made with the Braves. Okay, he has this this minor signing, and so far what he's doing is he's saying, "Look, I gotta I gotta fix everything internally here, and there are some basic things that this team needs, which is an improving of their defensive ability and what they do out there in between the first baseline and the third baseline. We need to make sure that that is better, and we need to make this a place where pitchers are going to want to pitch, and we need to improve the depth of our rotation." So it was the number one thing he had to go and address, and he went and addressed it. And everybody's angry with him for it. It doesn't mean that's the only thing he's going to address. It doesn't mean that there isn't there are moves down the line or he's not going to be able to get major league ready talent back in trades when he moves people. Why don't we give him an opportunity to see if he actually does what he should be doing? Because so far, none of his moves have been something that I sit there and say, well, now, now he's definitely going in a different direction than what I wish he would have done. I look at what has happened in major league baseball free agency to this point, and what I see is the White Sox saying we have some things we need to address immediately before we move on to the next layer of the things we need to fix? Because they, they're they not a player away. They're multiple players away. They're layers away. Their team philosophy changes away. There's a lot of work to be done here. They address some things in the immediate. That's what they did. The Braves addressed something in the immediate. They went out and got two relief pitchers in free agency, right? They said, we need to fix this. So they went out and signed two free agent relief pitchers already. You you have the, the Cardinals. We need more pitching. They went out and signed three of them, including Sonny Gray, which is a good signing for them. That's that, that's yeah, probably the that biggest good, signing. That was a good move for them. Right. Nolo took less money to stay with Philadelphia. That's probably the biggest guy who's moved because of free agency. They gave stupid money to Lance Lynn. That makes no sense because he's a launching pad one year at $10 million. I don't get it. But they saw a need and they said, look, we've got a lot of problems on this team. We're going to address this thing first. So the Cardinals have that philosophy. The Braves have that philosophy. The White Sox have said there's something we need to address. We're going to address it as quickly as we can because there's so many things on our to-do list. We should address this stuff right away because we can get it out of the way and cross it off our to-do list. There are a lot of other teams in baseball who have done nothing yet. So let's give the guy a month. The idea that you are going to see a completely redone team by December the 1st is the most ludicrous thing that I have ever seen. And the way that people are reacting to the money that Paul DeYoung got and the fact it was a one-year deal, like it's something wrong. I, I just don't understand, Ed. Well, it's because people are, we're not looking at what Paul DeYoung is, okay? He is a defense-first shortstop at this point. He's a guy that everybody thought was going to be able to hit, and his hitting has gone downhill. And he's working on it, and maybe he can bounce back. Whatever. He won't. He I don't even care if he does. It doesn't really matter. I don't care. I don't care one what year, he does. One year, $1.75 million is enough to give him to make sure that he shows up in a White Sox uniform at the start of spring training. Whether or not he is actually ever in a White Sox uniform in Chicago is still 
open to any answer. Okay, yeah, you don't even know. He doesn't even he doesn't even have a guaranteed spot on this team. What, what happened when I reached out to you and I said, "Hey, hey, Ed, uh, we, we're going to sign this guy here. Do you have anything you want to say about him?" Yeah, because you and I had already pretty much finished recording, and 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 the young right. the young rumor comes around, like, and I'm like. No, he he's just extra defense. He's more depth. Yeah, well, we both shrugged at it. I mean, like that's it, the thing. It, it's it's a nothing thing. I he, he's a nothing Young, signing. If Paul DeYoung is the starting shortstop this year, I think everybody. First of all, you got to take a step back and understand that what you're doing is you're basically sitting there telling a free agent pitcher that wants to come here, a starter, primarily, right, that wants to come here and work on their craft and be ready for 25 and beyond, and 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 you know. That he has a defense. Show that they still have it. Right. You have now with Nicky Lopez and Paul DeYoung behind them, you at least have guys that are going to catch the ball. Okay. And you know what a pitcher cares about? They care about whether or not the guys behind them are going to catch the ball. How many times did you scream at your TV, at the field, at your radio, at, at, at the video highlights later because you weren't even watching the game in real time? How many times did you scream when a dribbler would come to Tim Anderson and he'd have to make a choice to go home or go to first and he wouldn't catch the ball because he was worried about making the throw or whatever oh, was going on. All the time, man. I mean, constantly. The- we were constantly complaining about Tim Anderson's defense. If your company is going through medical renewal and you're dreading it, increased premiums, out of pocket expenses, some employees could go into medical bankruptcy based on the decisions made by you. Don't fear. Butch Zemar and Elite Benefits of America is here. Whether you run the benefits program for your company or even own the company, if you're buying insurance privately on your own or you're dealing with retirement-aged medical, the folks over at Elite Benefits of America are the ones you need to call right now. It's almost the end of the year. You may be done with open enrollment. You may still have work to do. Butch can help you now and help you in the next year. It is not too late. If you're overwhelmed or you're not happy with how the last month or so has gone, give them a call 708-535-3006 or visit elitebenefits.net. Here's the thing, Ed. Here's the thing. I, and I maybe this need maybe people need to we need to pull this back a little bit and kind of look at the overview here. Would you be upset as a White Sox fan if what Chris Getz did in 2024 was shore up his defense? make the place attractive enough so that he could sign some starting pitching that was at a higher level than what he currently has right now and was more long-term. Convince Mike Soroka to stick around after this year. Right, and you see him improve, and he addresses the right field position, which I think he will end up doing because it's not going to be Oscar Colas no matter how many videos he puts up with him and Luis Robert, right? And 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 you, and you get major league-ready players back for Cease because you know you can't sign him beyond 2025. And you've improved your team. And, and it might be the right fielder that we're talking about is what Cease could bring back. And maybe a, a, another piece or two that yeah, is going to be long term. Yes, exactly. And what if he went out and addressed that? And sure, it is not a complete team that's going to compete for a World Series. But it is a team with a stronger base. A team that is going to get back to fundamental baseball. A team that is going to address their pitching woes, not in the short term where you're trying to flip a guy at the trade deadline like you would normally do in a rebuild, but more in the long term as you're building it up. Because when you get to 2025, now you can be a player to go out and get a couple more free agents that are out there because you're going to have plenty of money with all the money that's off the books. Yohan Moncada moves on, you address your needs, and you're a competitive team with playoff aspirations 
but you had to go through a 24 where, yeah, we're going to fix a couple things. We're going to fix this layer. We're going to fix this layer. We're going to fix this layer. We're not actually going to be a World Series contender. We're, we're, we're not going to be, I don't think they're going to be a hundred loss team. I know everybody thinks that's what they're going to be. Cause I think there's more moves that come along well, here. Well, if, if the season started today, yeah, they're a hundred yes, loss they team. Would, yeah. They're a hundred loss team because still season team. Mike Soroka can only start so many games. But I don't think he's done. And that's the no. thing. Like, I think what this is, is okay. We have to tear it down to the studs and fix it, but we are not going to do a three-year rebuild. I, they're not going to do that. So I think what the idea is, is that you got to f- first address what's your biggest need. What's our biggest need. We have terrible defense up the middle and we got rid of our shortstop. And we've never addressed second base. Oh, man. Well, we we would have to spend a lot of money to go out and find a second baseman and a shortstop. And I don't like what's out there right now. Because what's out there right now kind of isn't good. And long term, it's bad for us. Plus, we have Colson Montgomery that should be here as early as midway through the year. And at the latest is probably the starting shortstop in 2025 on opening day. And we know we want him out there. So what do we do? Well, then we can go out and get defense cheap and through trades, and we can at least shore that up and have a base while we're waiting for the players that we really want to be available that we can move in here, and then we can explore trades. Like, here's the thing. What if Chris Getz, I can't believe I'm defending this guy because nobody else will listen to him. What if Chris Getz looked at what the biggest flaw in the White Sox was over the last couple of years, which was Rick Hahn being unable to pull the trigger on trades and waiting too long to go out and sign players, where then he lost them out to other teams and said... I have needs that need to be addressed. Let's address them immediately so that I don't get caught with my pants down in the early part of January, right? Because if something doesn't work out now for him, he at least has a team that can field the ball. And if something does work out for him, he improves upon it and he's not, he doesn't have like a $5.5 million a year for three-year contract like Garcia has hanging around his neck. No, he's got something he can move on from right away in in DeYoung's contract. And and again, we are so conditioned from years of Kenny Williams and Rick Hahn playing fantasy baseball with an actual major league roster. Not everybody has to hit 300. No. Not everybody has to hit 20 to 30 home runs. No. You don't need to start the American League All-Star team as your regular everyday lineup. Paul DeYoung, on a good team, on a team that has a chance to win his division— if he's hitting 233 and putting the ball in play for the most part, struggling offensively, but if he is saving you runs because of his range, because of his arm, because he is so good in the field, if Nicky Lopez is hitting 250 and is saving you runs because of his range and his arm and he's so good in the field, if guys like that are helping with run prevention, it's like adding offense to this team because in years past, we've been so focused on Tim Anderson leading the league in hitting. We're so worried about Tim Anderson winning the batting title. We have to turn our back on the fact that he was really lousy in the field. He was a bad shortstop. We, yeah. You know, and when you said it, when you said it, people get angry with you, right? Like you were right. picking on Tim. This is our guy. You're picking on Tim. And, 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 but there was never any question. Offensively, Tim Anderson was a premium shortstop. Defensively, Tim Anderson would have lapses. He'd go weeks and you'd look like he wouldn't know what to do on the field. And and, and it's and it's fine because offensively he made up for it. But there's something to be said about going the other way. But it's not sexy to talk about defense. It's not sexy to have a shortstop who hits 230 and you know might have some power behind him but plays really, really well in the field. That's not what we do. I mean, honestly, if you want to look at somebody, Javier Baez is way overpaid for what he is offensively. But we all know that the reason why Javier Baez got the money he got and got the reputation he got was because... You know, he was amazing at tagging guys out. He was amazing at some of the things that he would do in the field, right? 
he's a, he, you know, he, he, he's the guy who ended up basically stealing second base off of a ground out to third because he's just, you know, he's got that high baseball IQ. There's something, there's nothing wrong with Chris Getz going after guys who just know how to play the game that maybe aren't going to be stars. And you don't have to scrutinize. This is where I don't care if it was Getz or we got a GM from the outside. Okay. I just feel like White Sox fans were just attuned to this, this massive doubt and this having to look at every signing as though this is it, right? This is the only thing they're going to do. Because we have stuff in the past like Larry Garcia, a a guy that while he was under team control in an arbitration was fine as a utility player, but then once he's anointed as your three-year starter at second base, a position he couldn't play, where and, and a guy who really couldn't hit, you know, we, we had to look at that and be like, well, but this guy must be a star. Paul DeYoung doesn't need to be a star. Frankly, Mike Soroka doesn't need to be a star anymore either. He's a good gamble. Okay? Paul DeYoung doesn't need to do anything. That's the thing. Paul like DeYoung you're, you're sitting here, make the team. You're, you're sitting here defending it like, hey, Paul DeYoung could be good on a good team. He won't even be here when this team's good again. Like, you, no, he won't be. But that's the thing. He doesn't have a role. He his role right now is to play defense at short and move into a utility role if somebody better comes along and move off the team if there's too many guys better than him that come along at whatever time they want to do that. But for right now, he is cheap defense, which is something that this team needs, and he has a verifiable skill. The man can play shortstop. Exactly. Right? Exactly. But he's not going to be a star, and it doesn't matter. He may not even be on the team, and it doesn't matter. And, and yeah, I, I don't believe you and I have spent this much time defending Chris Gatz and defending the Paul DeYoung signing, for God's sakes. Like, there are two big things in the offseason that drive me nuts about about White Sox fans and baseball fans in, in general. Well, I baseball think all, fans in general. All I think baseball fans is, do uh, this. One of the things I think you're going right. to say here. One of the things that they do that drive me nuts is overreacting to moves that happen in November. Like, if they would have gone right. out, if the Sox would have gone out and signed somebody to a major deal, and I would have sat there and said, well, that guy's slow, or that guy's bad in the field, or that guy really had only one good year. Why are we giving him all that money? Okay, fine. We can start arguing about a free agent early on in the year because he's clearly a starter that's going to be with your team for multiple years. I guarantee you, you referenced the Cardinals signing Lance Lynn, signing uh, Sonny Gray, which which we both agree is probably a good signing. I guarantee you that there's Cardinals fans sitting there going today, Lynn Lynn is done. Why is he yeah. back here? Why are they giving him so much money? I think that's Lynn funny. is terrible. And and there's probably some people, honestly, they're looking at going, you couldn't have waited to see if there was some someone better than Sonny Gray. You couldn't wait to see if one of the Japanese guys was going to work out better. Sonny Gray's, a, a, you know, an injury waiting to happen. The guy's got a history of not being able to pitch 30 games. It's funny because I, I, I talked to my buddy Craig Toth over at Bucks in the Basement. He was like, they're all mad in Pittsburgh because of all the, the Cardinals uh, pitchers that have been signed because they're in the same division, right? And they feel like they can be competitive right. this year. And I was laughing. I was like, well, the problem is, unless you wanted to throw stupid money at a guy who's a launching pad as a pitcher who basically throws three different kinds of fastballs, and if it isn't working for him, he's done and he's out of the game by the third inning, and you want to give him $10 million a year, unless you want to spend that kind of money, it ain't time to go get your starting pitcher yet if you're a team like the Pirates. And, you know, you have to wait for the marketplace to settle a little bit. Like Dylan Cease gained value in terms of his trade value with some of the contracts that have been signed for sure. With Aaron Nola going back to the Phillies, Dylan Cease's trade value went up. Everything. But on the other hand, now you got a bunch of starting pitchers out there who know they're better and more valuable than Lance Lynn, and they're like, the price starts at $10 million a year. That's a problem. So, like, right, you're going to have to wait. They're looking at Kyle Gibson and they're looking at Lance Lynn. Right. Okay. And they, again, Sonny Gray. Is a very good pitcher when he pitches, but they're looking at Lance Lynn and Kyle Gibson and going, 
better than him. Exactly. You need time now to pass, and you need the marketplace to settle because of weird deals that happen at the beginning. So right now what the White Sox could be doing is just sitting around and waiting, or they could say, okay, well, pitching's kind of crazy right now, and we're waiting on a few things to kind of move so that we can see what's available to us. But we can go address this defense issue right now. And the Braves came a knock in trying to get rid of guys that were on their 40-man roster they were going to let go of anyway. So we moved on from a piece that we had no value. Like we didn't we didn't think was important in Aaron Bummer because he wasn't part of the big plan. Oh, and by the way, we cleared a contract that was going to be stuck with us when we're not even sure if we want him on the team anymore. So, I mean, like what the Sox did is they addressed what they could in the early days of free agency while the marketplace still hasn't settled itself, figured out what it's going to be. And there's already oddities out there, especially with the money that's being spent on bad starting pitching. Like I don't see the rest of Major League Baseball going out and making sound moves this early, it's not like other teams are addressing their needs and we're just sitting there watching what's going on. What we're actually seeing well, yeah, is if free agents aren't flying off right, the board no, you're right seeing now. Certain teams that said we have a need at this, we're going to go after it. Like the Braves, they they have, the Braves have acquired three relief pitchers, one through trade and two through free agency. They've gone nuts and they've gone and done that. The Cardinals have gone after three starting pitchers. Okay, they've they've spent weirdly, and if I were a Cardinal fan, I'd be upset about it. But that's what they've done. Right. The, the Phillies went and re-signed their pitcher to make sure he was off the market and they got him to take a hometown discount. The White Sox addressed defense and pitching depth early on in the thing. Most baseball teams in Major League Baseball have done nothing. Nothing to this point. And one of my favorite beer seasons of the year, the holiday beer season, is upon us. This is when you get all the barrel-aged stouts. This is where you get the holiday spice beers. This is where you get some annual traditional beers that breweries put out. Hailstorm Brewing Company already filling up that big, beautiful menu. The official brewery of Socks in the Basement, located out in Tinley Park. Get out there and visit them at 8060 186th Street, right off of 80th Avenue. They have a scratch kitchen open at 11 a.m. into the evening from Tuesday through Sunday. It looks like they realize it's cold outside and you need some hearty food. I see Irish red chili. I see mac and cheese on the menu. I see bacon mac and cheese on the menu. Grab a seat in the big German beer hall or over in the tap room. Ed and I are going to have to make a trip out there very soon and test out all of the new December beers. See everything they have to offer at hailstormbrewing.com. And and this I know this I know drives you nuts and probably the other thing you were going to mention. I've got a great idea for a trade. Let me tell you some of my philosophy on trades. You will one never get me to sit there and say, "This is a player I think the White Sox should go after and they should give this player up to go get him." Cuz I think that predicting trades is the most futile thing that you can do as a fan. I really do. Like, I get it. It's fun. Make up your off-season plan and guess who you could get if you trade this other guy and who you match up with and everything. Like, everybody's doing it. Every sports writer in the world is writing things. Jeff Passan's yeah. got Jeff Passan's got Luis Robert going to the Astros. I laughed out loud and said, well, that was stupid. Somebody must That's have told never him. never going to happen. Somebody must have told him he had to write an article like that and he needed to make it so many words. And he needed to involve every team in Major League Baseball so that it would it would play nationally. Because that makes no sense to me, and I believe in absolutely no way that the White Sox are moving on. And, and as I recall, as I recall, what what they got back for him was like, well, no. No, nobody they're not moving on somebody with that much control and that much talent for what what national pundits are guessing they'll move on from. So no, that isn't happening. But the point is, you don't know what teams want. You don't know what teams value. 
You don't know what players they want to move on from. You have no no real knowledge of the internal workings of all these front offices. The only thing I'm looking for in a trade, Ed, is when we traded this player, what caliber of player came back and what did it address? Is this a long-term trade with high-ceiling prospects but that are years away? That would upset me. Is this a trade that addresses a specific need because the player coming back is either a Major League Baseball player or somebody who is so close to being on the cusp of playing that they have a legitimate chance to start at that position at the beginning of 2024? Like, what did you get back? That's all I care about trades. And I wait for them to happen because you couldn't have predicted the bummer trade with the Braves. Nobody had anything close to that, right? And most trades are so out of left field. So I think predicting trades, like you want to say, we need to go get a right fielder, and I think Dylan Cease could bring back a good one? Great. Do I know where that comes from? No, I have no idea, because I don't know what team wants to give up the right fielder that I want, and they may not see it as an even trade when they make it. Like, I mean, like, is there a right fielder that the the Braves have? Because I hear them rumored. Is there a right fielder that the Dodgers have? I've heard them rumored. But even if I was able to find somebody on a prospect list around their 40-man roster, I don't know if they really believe that that guy is worth it or they want to move on from him. And I don't know if the White Sox think that guy is the answer yet. So I think when when you're coming up with, like, propositional trades and trade guesses, I'd rather sit back and see what they're actually doing. Like I'm observing the type of player he's bringing back and listening to his words. And that brings me the hope that he actually has a plan here. And so far he hasn't gone off track. You, you like to make trade proposals. Well, I, I, it, it can be fun to do the trade proposal thing. I and, I, 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 and I know you hate it. And, and that's why we, we don't sit here and do it all that often. Right. But, but like with the Dylan Cease thing. Okay. I, I know I, everybody thinks it's, it's going to happen. Dylan Cease is going to get traded this off season. I agree that I think Chris Getz is working hard on it. Ken Rosenthal's in the Athletics saying more than 12 teams have inquired about him. He knows what he has and that this is an asset that he can turn around for something, but I think it's got to be the right thing, which is why I'm not going to speculate on a Dylan C's trade because, honestly, when I heard it was the Dodgers, I kind of looked at their 40-man, I kind of looked at their prospect list, and I kind of went, but I don't see, based on what Chris Getz is saying, what, what this team has that he brings back. You know, when you talk about, well, right fielder. I know the Diamondbacks, for example, have a ton of outfielders, but I don't really know that the Diamondbacks want to part with any of them or or that the guys that they would part with are the guys that Chris Getz wants or that they bring any more value to the team than Oscar Colas does or that somebody who's a street free agent would. I know it's not going to be Adam Hazley. We know that because he got DFA'd. But the, the, you know, I posed the question to James Fox when he subbed in for you, uh, you were, you were out ill and you know, are there guys around the league that you look at that you go, I'd really just love to have them on the White Sox, and I, I would like to see Chris Getz go out and, and try and acquire this player. And and I know, for me, sometimes I do look, you know, when we talk about trying to create a, a second baseman of the now and the future, I know that Justin Foskey, who's on, a, you know, high-end uh, prospect, is blocked by Marcus Simeon and Corey Seager in, in Texas. Okay, so it seems like a guy that, might be worth going after. I don't know if that's part of a Dylan Cease trade or not. James Fox mentioned him as well. I would say like, oh, you know, if the White Sox went and got him, that'd be cool. But I don't want to sit here and speculate what I think that they should trade for him because, again, trading Luis Robert, if Chris Getz gets back what he wants and it's part of his plan and his plan works. Oh, I'd be done with him. I would be done with him too, but at least... I'd be so angry. At least I would understand if it got back to what he wanted to do. It's the same thing with the Dylan Cease thing. If he trades Dylan Cease, like you, you've said, if he trades Dylan Cease for guys who are years away 
if it is Chris Sale for Yohan Moncada, yeah, who's just the I'm top done of the with prospect him. I'm list. done with him there, too. I'm angry there, right. too. Yeah. But if he's doing that, I'm angry with him. If he's holding out for a plan and he ends up not trading Dylan Cease this offseason because it never emerged, I don't even think that that's a failure on Chris Getz's part. I think it's smarter for him to do that and go into the season with Dylan Cease in your rotation. Yeah, you don't need to If move you don't him. find the right thing, you don't need to move him. And that's where that's where I get the trade thing going, where it's like, Dylan Cease does not need to be traded. Aaron Bummer did not necessarily need to be traded. It's great that Chris Getz was able to bring back value for, for Aaron Bummer. But he doesn't need to make trades other than the fact that he's got positions to fill on the team. Yeah, we we had a we got a message from uh, Rob Johnson. I'm going to read his full name because not only is it printed on his Twitter, but his Twitter handle is at I'm Rob Johnson. So I don't think he's bothered by me giving his full name because he's he's put himself out there. This guy, and uh, he's you're talking listen, about Rob Johnson now. Listen, listener to the show, and he he sent out a thing like, and he suggested the Mariners. And I mean, he gave me a okay. really long thing, and if I read it, we would have to go in overtime here because he's really into this. But what he's basically saying is that don't sleep on the idea that Dylan Cease could end up in Seattle, and he's surprised that they haven't been linked there. They they weren't linked to Luis Castillo at the time. They operate quietly, and when you look at the Rangers winning the World Series, and there's only five remaining teams to never win a title, and the fact the Mariners have been aggressive and believe that they're a team where the time is now, they also have a lot of depth in a lot of areas. they got depth at pitching. They've got depth in the outfield. And that's a team that matches up very well with the White Sox in terms of major league-ready talent and players that are on the cusp that you could go get and you're not making a long-term deal. You see, Rob's thinking the same way I'm thinking. He's giving Chris Getz the benefit of the doubt because he's saying, look, he's telling us he wants to compete in 2024. He, he can't he can't say that and trade Dylan Cease for guys that are three years away. All right? No. And so he's telling us he wants to address these needs. He's t- This is what he's saying he's going to do, and so far I haven't seen an actual move that tells me he's not doing it yet. Now, if he does, of course, pitchforks, torches, torchforks, you know, all that stuff. Pitch torches, yeah. Pitch torches. Whatever. I forgot what the other one was. But, but like, that's the thing. So, so he, and he makes a really great point. That's a team that really looks in the short term that would say two years of Dylan Cease will trade something for that. Makes sense for, for it does make sense Doesn't for it? the Mariners. But now the thing is, he lists like all these different guys and it's like, all right, well, I don't know what they what they value, right? And what do the White Sox think? Do the White Sox think that Jared Kalenic, after how he performed at times last year, is, is a viable piece because he's only 23 years old? Or do they, or do they think he's Oscar Colas? Right. And that's the thing. It depends on, on what do they believe about the players that are on that team. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found and always on SocksInTheBasement.com.